We are. Penn State. We are. Penn State. We are. Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, that's the whole interview, B. <laughs> I know. That, We're done. <laughs> that, that's literally all I wanted you to do. You got to know last last year and all the preceding year when when I when the when the Penn State men's lacrosse oh, stuff yeah. comes on the football, I always can count on you posting oh, yeah. and doing something, and and I just love it so much. Yeah, so. we now found the local uh, Penn State bar down. Where in Fort is that? Uh, it's the Parrot, and it's awesome. Do you, Do you know who used to own the Parrot? Who? My cousin's really? husband. Yeah, the Bill Bill Thies family. Wow. Yeah, the the Thies family has is like a five generation Fort Lauderdale family. They used to own all the milliliter distributorships from Stewart down to Key West. Oh, okay. And big, big time Fort Lauderdale family. And the Parrot was yeah. where they hung out. It's awesome. It's so great now to go and have a place that you're around, like your Penn State community. I will say I'm confused why Yingling is not on draft there, though. It it, it would make sense if they had it, right? I remember pitchers for like 250 at Penn State. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um so one of the things that I just wanted to talk about just before we get started is, is how did you pick Penn State and why did you, how did you end up there? Oh, you know, it's a funny story. I thought that I wanted to go to a school in the South. I mean, Florida State was my number one. Really? My parents were not ready to send me that far away because I grew up in Maryland, in right. Washington, D.C. area. And um, my brother... About, he's six years older than I am. He, at one point, uh, was being recruited to kick for Penn State. Really? And he turned it down. And he said that was one of his biggest regrets was not going to Penn State. Wow. He ended up at West Virginia, which was great. great Still school. great school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he loved it. But um, that kind of stuck with me. And when I had the opportunity and I got accepted at Penn State, I was I was all in. Where did you live when you were a freshman? Oh, well, see, freshman, I was Altoona for two years. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. I was in Spruce Hall um, and then went junior, senior year up at University Park. And, I, you know, that was big condo life. Holy <laughs> condo cow. Condo apartments. Did, were you in the giant one right down on, on uh, uh, Atherton or whatever? No, I stayed a little farther off on Viro Boulevard in ah. some apartments there. I had to take the bus into to campus, which was good because um, that kept me from getting parking tickets. Oh my God, yeah. I have so many. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, Finally, right? yeah, because like, cause all the lacrosse guys, they either lived at Beta or Fiji. Uh -huh. And so I'd try and sneak in there. And then finally, they're like, Elvis, don't park here anymore. <laughs> yeah. and, and then the ticket started. And then, you yeah, know, that my was parents it. still love to talk about it. Right? Like, <laughs> 20 plus years, and they're my, still talking about my it. My parents don't like to talk about my experience that much. <laughs> all right. So I one of the things that I, I think, you know, this show is really about for me is is not only the incredible work that blue tide marine is doing in the bahamas right mm -hmm. now and and we'll get to that but but more importantly it's it's your your experience and and your incredible commitment to mike you know oh. my brother and and my boyfriend yeah your boyfriend <laughs> from the time you guys were 16 and you know mike served at the highest levels in the in, in the seal teams and and was one of the most revered men in the entire community hands down his father was one of the original members of jsoc and mm -hmm. i mean just this incredible dedication to our country and our service and one of the things that i got really fired up about was the fact that i did have an opportunity to talk to you about what that was like right and and for the length and period of time to love somebody that 
you know, where, and you know this, that the job is essentially the, the number one, it comes first. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I can't wait to just hear a little bit about that, but, but before we get in it, can you describe what it was, what Mike was like at 16? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so he, um, was not the same person that he is now. And, uh, you know, I, um, I, he will, he will tease me. If you ask him when we first met, he will tell you that he met me in seventh grade. I met him in 10th grade. Like, that's what he says. Because you blew him off, didn't you? No, I didn't blow him off. We never had any classes. We did have homeroom. I do remember meeting him like quickly. He was sitting behind me in like seventh grade. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how we met. But um, he was so shy so shy and it's funny because he's such a people person now. yeah like that is who he is he loves to talk to people he loves to i mean he's a negotiator um but he was not a talker in at all school. huh we had spanish together and um that's when i really first you know was like oh this guy he's kind of cute yeah, he look at him <laughs> um and i would try to talk to him and i'd say hi how are you and he's like fine and he like wouldn't make eye contact he was he was very shy but that being said, he was still the same person in the sense of determination and commitment. Wow. So he was a wrestler. He was a football player. Yeah. Um, his dad, you know, was a Marine. And, um, you know, he just had this level of, of dedication that I had not seen in somebody my own age, yeah. a guy my own age. Well, it, it just doesn't wasn't exist, there. right? Yeah. I mean, it's so rare that we see kids that, are are just driven in terms of those core values right yeah. the the integrity the the commitment the um the loyalty yeah and it, it sounds like mike's always had that he has when was it tough for him because obviously you know y- you have this incredible personality you're a giant people person you you are just exude confidence was that tough for him because of, of, of what you, what you, how you were? You know, I don't think so. I think, you know, it sounds cliche, but we were the perfect balance of, of you know, um, the, the shy, quiet person and the really loud, you know, cheerleader girl. <laughs> um, you know, we, we really were a perfect balance. But it's funny because now that I've been out of television for a number of years, our roles are really reversed. Right. He is very much the personality. Wow. He is very much, you know, the... Uh, you know, walk into a room and introduce himself to somebody. And I'm a little bit more reserved. So our balance has shifted. Has shifted. But, um, I, you know, I don't think it was hard for him. I just think we really, um, we were the yin and yang that really fit together. Well, tell me about, so now, you know, you're in this very deep-rooted relationship. And I'm assuming that, you know, the mm-hmm. idea of, of spending your lives together came on very quickly. Mm-hmm. But then he joins the military and you said, well, I want to go pursue this dream of journalism. Will you tell us about how what that was like? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy. Um, you know, really, I, I didn't know what a Navy SEAL was until I met Mike, right. um, until he knew that he, that's what he had wanted to do and what he had wanted to pursue. He went to a year at Mizzou in mm-hmm. Missouri because, um, you know, he promised his mom he would go see if anything else struck an interest. Um, but that Christmas break... He, en- he enlisted, right. delayed enlistment. So, um, you know, we were already separated after high school. Everybody told us, you know, high school relationships don't work. Right. You know, you might as well. And, and yeah, we had our ups and downs. We did not, you know, we were not this, like, perfect relationship throughout that's all cool of, that you say that. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, you know, we dated other people. We were broke up. We got back together. When he went to, um, you know, when he 
finally went into the Navy, that's when we really recommitted back to each other. Um, and so I would say that was my between sophomore and junior year mm -hmm. of college for me. And, um, you know, I think that's when everything really, truly got serious. And we had to see, you know, how we were going to pursue this life together. When I'm in Pennsylvania, he was going off to, you know, training and then buds and then, um, you know, trying to figure out where we would go. And I'll never forget the phone call, you know, when you guys get your your command mm -hmm. out of out of buds and where you're going. And um, he was like, um, I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's a challenge. Um, at the time, I was interning at NBC4 in Washington, D.C., and, like, loving it, yeah. killing it, had awesome opportunities to do some, you know, field producing on some big stories. And, you know, I had to make a decision on what was going to be my path after right. that. I, you know, I, I think when I, you Can just, I jump in real yeah. quick? Because I think it's just fascinating to me. It, it It's... To, to be have that spark of journalism so early in your life mm -hmm. and to know that that's the direction where did that come from i have to thank my mom for that so yeah, growing I was up hoping you're yeah, talk about yeah. your mom. growing up in dc um you know you're you know local news is national news local news is international news so you're around it all the time and um the nbc affiliate there had something called teen tv and they were like hey who wants to try out so my mom's like i think you should do it and i'm like oh okay you know, I had done a couple of things with the, the high school program, but, you know, it wasn't what I was thinking was going to be my life. And um, tried out, got to do a small piece on, like, summer heat. Yeah, <laughs> You know, like right. a flip piece, you know. And, and then from there, they invited me to work on one of their teen TV specials. Oh, wow. And, you know, what, this was 1993, 94, and we were already doing specials about violence in schools. Right. Because really? it was D.C. So, oh, that's true. You know, the, the D.C. violence yeah, there so back then. We were already doing specials on that. And um, the people I met when I was was working on that special um, made me realize that I had a passion for telling stories that may not otherwise be told. OK, so that's where it came from. And I remember telling uh, the photographer that I was working with, you know, I'm, I'm a junior in high school and I'm like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to college for. And he's like why <laughs> yeah yeah why would you yeah. ever want these hours this, yeah yeah this frustration why? yeah but it, it was just you know the need to 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 meet people and tell their stories and that came from your me. mom you said she was the one that encouraged me to try out for that and i would not have ever tried i would not have ever found that calling if it wasn't for her encouraging me to do that what about your mom because your mom like you know and i've never met her and mm -hmm. and, and and what about her was so amazing and so incredible oh, she to, for was, you she was breaking glass ceilings before that was even a phrase i mean right. she she literally 75 years old just retired in july wow so she has worked for ibm for 25 years then um lockheed martin and l3 whoa and so she has been in it and um one of the things that i always think was so important when i was growing up is she never was like, okay, we have a corporate dinner party coming over. You guys stay upstairs. It, we were expected to be downstairs with all of these adults having meaningful conversation. And I thank her so much for that because uh, it uh, put me on a great path to be able to have conversation, to want to learn so that I could hold these conversations mm -hmm. with people. And um, man, it, it really, like that's the foundation of where my career went. Well, it's so, you know, with, with, with our, you know, I've got four daughters now and, right. and, and, 
you know, you're always trying to figure out. And thank God, Jana is this wonderfully strong, confident woman. Mm-hmm. And but where do you, you know where do you guide young girls oh. for those influences? And uh, and 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 so often, I think a lot of those really beautiful influences come from just they're right in front of you. Yeah. And being able to point to say, hey, do you see that behavior? That's good behavior. Yeah. You, you just have to be around the right people, right. you know, and you have to understand that the, your friends are the people that your kids are looking up to, you know, the people that they see you around, they want to, they think that's the way they're supposed to be. You just have to be so particular about who you're spending your time with. Oh my gosh. And it's, it ain't easy with a no. bunch of team guys all around <laughs> no, all the time. Holy no. good God. Well, <laughs> you know, I will say it is it, that actually the team guys are great guys. Team yeah. guys are amazing guys. And Sometimes you got to deal with a little language and a little drinking, but like you're going to have to deal with that when you're 21 and hopefully not younger anyways. Right. Exactly. So she's being prepared for the real world. So is my son. That's the way I look at it. That way. I love it. And I love the idea about, Hey, you know, this is, this is what it means to be sophisticated. This mm-hmm. is what it means to, you know, be able to uh, maneuver through society with a certain distinction mm-hmm. or certain, um, um, class about you and and I love that that influence played such a big role in you Mm -hmm. were you nervous about moving into journalism and 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 especially because Penn State's journalism program is is one of the best in the country was that was it intimidating so I think this was one of the things that just came very naturally to me uh you know and and I'm so thankful for that um I was nervous the first time I went on live, for sure. I bet. Oh, it was when was disastrous. That? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, come it, on, it was. So it was in Norfolk, and I was a, um, I was stepping on as a traffic reporter after being a producer for many years. And um, Patrick Rocky, one of my good friends, still a meteorologist in, in Norfolk at the CBS affiliate WTKR, and he tosses to me and says, "You know, time to time to take a look at the traffic with Bianca." And I'm like, "Thanks, Bianca." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, I just, I mean, you know, it just, the you, nerves, you're so man. nervous. Oh, I know. And, you know, I thanked myself and then moved on with traffic and, <laughs> you know, the rest is history. <laughs> and then from there, I, you know, did pretty well. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. When you're at Penn State, I mean, I, you know, the, one of the amazing things that I think Penn State offers is the diversity, mm-hmm. right? With, with, you know, 70,000 yes. kids. Uh, you know, and, and the intensity of all the different things going on all the time around campus, it really creates a lot of opportunity for growth. Did mm-hmm. you, you know, coming from D.C., mm-hmm. uh, uh, for obviously, and because you, the influences from your mother and your family, you were, you know, you were worldly as it was. But mm-hmm. when you got there, did you feel a whole new level of growth because of the opportunities there? Oh my goodness, yes. Um, And you know, like I said, I started at Altoona, so it was like extended high school for a little bit where it was a very small campus, Mm -hmm. which was good for me. I had to transition that way. Um, But once I got to, you know, main campus in, in University Park, it was like a whole other level for me. The professors had such an incredible influence on me. One yeah. still there, Professor Sanchez. He's amazing. Awesome. Um, you know, related to him right away. And he was the broadcast journalism um, teacher. So, you know, he was uh, he was amazing. And we had opportunities to travel through that program. And one of the, the opportunities I will never forget is we all got into one of those big fleet vans. I mean, smushed in there, my entire broadcast journalism right. class. 
and we went down to St. Helena's Island in South Carolina for the Gullah Festival. Okay. And talk about being exposed to a whole other culture. I mean, it, it was, um, you know, their, their, their town was rooted in slavery and then right. escaping. And um, just learning about that and being able to tell that story was just, um, it had a big impact. I bet, you know, because one of the things, though, you know, even though Penn State is filled with all these incredible opportunities and all these great influences, it's still in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. nowhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, a, you, you, you drive 10 minutes off campus yeah. and the Amish guy in the car's yeah. driving by and you're like, well, what the, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I remember that was a little culture shock for me, right. but it, it still was, you know, I, I remember being in my first, you know, philosophy classes and yeah. my first art history classes and I'm like, oh my God, I began to realize the size of the world, mm. right? Yeah. And, and, and that was a unique thing and, and that somehow, some way, I, I had to go find my way in that world. Awesome, yeah, so that right? influenced where you went after that. It, yeah. it, it had a huge, yeah. a profound impact for me. Did you ever do any charity work in college? Were you ever doing any, did you ever kind of come outside of that, that spectrum of, all right, I'm just there for journalism and... Yeah, no, so I was, I got to participate in Vaughn, you know, the yeah, biggest philanthropic, cow. you know, university-based program, yeah. so, um, whole, that was amazing, amazing, so. Can you t tell our, our listeners a little bit so, about it? So, Thon is, you know, the, the weekend-long dance party where you put yourself into, you know, a state of just, and it sounds silly talking to probably a bunch of team guys <laughs> about like, oh, I danced for a whole weekend and I was so tired. Um, but really it is, you know, to bring attention to childhood cancers and, and yeah. you know, make sure that, you know, they're getting the funds they need to, to help treat these beautiful, wonderful children that, right. that join us in Thon. That was my favorite part about it. When you'd mm -hmm. see the kids up there and, and they'd participate in the smiles on their faces. And mm -hmm. it just, it always seemed to just, it seemed to just uh, uh, breathe more, so much more life into the weekend, right? It did, yeah, it did. Unbelievable. When you, when you were tired and they came in, you weren't tired anymore. Yeah, so. yeah, man, that's such a great thing that you were part of that. Yeah. All right, so you, you, you finish, obviously now Mike's in, in Hawaii, mm -hmm. you're finishing mm -hmm. you, in, it was, was it at that moment you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going and I'm going to try and do it out there or how, yeah, what happened so, in that transitional phase? So, you know, uh, poor, poor Mike got the pressure then, <laughs> you know, in all honesty, it was like, yeah. I can't just move to Hawaii to move to Hawaii. You yeah. know, I've got this great, this great job here. And so, you know, he surprised me and he asked me to marry him and I obviously said yes. Yeah. And, um, Hell, if Mike asked me to marry him, I'd marry him. I think, a lot of people, I think a lot of people would. You know, he's, he's a good, he's that guy. He's yeah. awesome. Um, but so are you, B. I want oh, to tell you that. Thanks, he he thanks. wouldn't, he would never have been able to do what he did without you. Oh, and, and I can attest you. to, you know, it, as you're a young frogman just completing buds and you're in STT and, you know, every, we, I mean, we had 72 guys yeah. in our class and, you know, in the ridiculousness that we talk <laughs> about. And then there's these select few that are talking about very focused yeah. futures, in particular him talking about you all the time. And oh. that was always just a, a remarkable thing. You you guys in the Sandovals for oh. me were just oh. uh, yep. such an inspiration. You know? I'm, I'm lucky. And, you know, he's 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 very appreciative. He's and that's probably one of the reasons why we're still together. Yeah. It's because he never failed to say thank you being there when I needed you or you know any of that but you know when we when we did make that decision to get married and you know I went to go pursue 
another job in Hawaii. Um, he was still gone a ton. I yeah. think my first year in Hawaii, if you put the days together, he was there for like three months. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He, he did sniper school and yep. stuff like that at that time. That's so. when those guys are getting every school on the planet. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and, you know, SDV. He was in the water all the time. And, oh, well, yeah. And and now look, he's in the water all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. um, huh. But back then, I couldn't get him to go teach me how to scuba or take nothing. A class right? Yeah. Yeah. You talk about it and start shaking, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, you know, at that point, um, it became very clear that. In order to survive as as a married couple, we had to have the understanding that he had his life and I had my life, and then we were lucky enough to have a life together every now and then. Right. We right. didn't have kids then. Explain that. So. How do how do you talk about that? How do you how do you communicate that to each other at the ages that you were at? Oh gosh, I mean, you know, I don't even know if we really said that in conversation. You know, I think it was just an understanding, and that comes from us being you know, very similar in the sense that we both had big goals and we knew that we wanted to achieve them and we knew that we needed the support of each other to do that. And wow. I, I don't even think it was a conversation where we sat down and said, okay, so here's how this is going to work. It just, you know. It just was present as is. Yeah. Do you attribute that to uh, how you guys were raised, the type of people you are? That the Because it's very difficult, I think, nowadays for... You know, there's so much emphasis on verbal communication mm -hmm. that a lot of times right. people are missing those nonverbal things that right. are attributable to our character mm -hmm. and the support of that character and what that can do for a relationship. Oh, it's that whole love language thing. Right. Yeah. Holy you know, cow. The whole love language yeah. thing. And, you know, we know ours. We didn't know it back then. But, um, you know, I think, yes, I, I think part of it was. You know, we were young, so we were naive. We didn't think we had to have conversations about stuff like that. Thankfully, it worked out. I think like any other marriage, you're, you know, my favorite phrase is riding the bike down the hill and building the bike while you're doing it, you know? <laughs> like, you're just any other marriage. You're figuring it out as you go along. It's just, gosh, we hey, were we 22. Could, we could use a training wheel back there <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, we were just really young while we were doing it. And I think it was you know, for us, it worked out because we were able to just kind of go, okay, you know? Well, it was, I always love, you know, when I get to see you guys post those early, those marriage pictures <laughs> with him and his blues and, yeah. and you guys, you, you, you look so young. I mean, oh, we were yeah. just babies back then. Right. And, and had no idea what was coming. Yeah. Um, when, when nine 11 hit, cause I know mm. he had been, you know, he was, had moved the transition and was going, you know, to the, mm -hmm. to, I, I, you know, I think we could call it the dark side in yeah. terms of the next level, but, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of moving up to the, the highest level, right. you know, he's going through at that time, nine 11 happens. Do you remember that moment and what it, what it was like for your relationship? Oh yeah. So this, I mean, very clearly. So right. he had actually just, you know, done his, his quote unquote interview and, um, you know, he explained it to me as, hey, babe, this is great. If it works out, I'm only going to be gone when the hits the fan. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, OK, so I think he had screened. Yeah. Got great news. You know, was really we were really proud of him. And then um, that morning, I, w I was an early news producer. So I was up at 3 a.m. We were living in Hawaii. Still. Right, right. Um, I was up at 3 a.m. and my mom had called me and I thought she was calling about my grandfather because okay. he had been in, in um, hospice for a while. 
And so I, that's what I expected to hear. I was like, oh, here we go. And then I pick up the phone, I talk to her, and she's like, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. And my mind was, I saw it, and it was just like, what? What the, yes, yeah. There's no way. Well, this isn't real, this isn't whatever. And then the next thing, you know, Mike's finally up, because I get him up, and then we look at each other like, ugh. This is happening. The, the hit the fan. Yep. You know, and um, so, you know, we had an understanding that once he got there and he went through, you know, Yep. Uh, the first few months that he it was real and that tempo man it picked up it, immediately mm -hmm. yeah you know I, I think one of the great challenges is when anytime you're driven by servitude right? right and whether you're serving people information or you're serving the country there's this level of drive in that mm -hmm. that when it really gets intense mm. you get better Oh, absolutely. And, and did you guys find that happen after that, that you just became better, not only together as a couple, mm -hmm. but better in what you were doing with your lives? Absolutely. I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the call to serve is one thing, but then when you call or your, your serve, your calling to serve happens in the middle of something like that, mm -hmm. um, it, you have no choice but to grow. I yeah. mean, you're just thrown into it and it's, you know, sink or float you yeah, know you're, you're, for sure so um yeah absolutely and I, I think we did see that I, I don't think that had to happen for us to achieve what we wanted to achieve okay but interesting um, like you, I, a war didn't need to happen for no, you guys to get to where you wanted to no, go no i mean like you know he, he had gotten that was his mecca you know like yeah. that, he was that's where he, the command he wanted to be yep. at and he was accepted that was before 9 11 yeah um did he become a better seal did he become a better leader absolutely you can't not become absolutely. a better leader at yeah. that level it, well yeah. i guess i guess that's not true there are some guys that go there and it, the intensity is too much for them and, right and they end up you know either breaking or they spin out of control emotionally or yeah. whatever it might be but man it just seemed like mike began to just thrive there and really pick up steam yeah and you know it, it was the community for him yeah i mean he's that guy he, he is, is that like he you know he it's all about the guys yeah. i mean it's all about the guys yeah. and for us you know, as a whole, it was community. And I, I I have friends, I mean, I have friends from when he was a bud still, but you know, it, once you got there, it was just another level of needing to support each other, especially when that tempo, the op tempo just increased and shot through the roof. And you know, you've got guys who are gone and then home and then gone and then home and your friends are shifting with you. And um, you know, it was just, it, it was just a whole other level where community was the most important part of your life that's cool yeah when you got over how long did it take you to find a news station to get interviewed oh. to get up get going and how long did that take and what was that like for you in this yeah crazy chaotic change too so i was a little lost i mean i, bet. I mean and and um you know i talk about things are not easy and i you know i promised you being i would be an open book um when we first got to Virginia and, you know, he was in that first few months of, of being at the command and I didn't have a job in TV. I was, I had a great job. I was working for Linda Murray, Miss Olympia at a, at her gym wow. and I loved it. I mean, it was great. Um, but it, I still knew I wasn't doing what I wanted to pursue. Yeah. Um, and I was a little lost. He was so focused on, you know, reaching his next level and, and being able to stay at the command and, and move on. We were not good. Oh, we hard. were not good. It was hard. Really hard. Um, there was not, you know, even the nonverbal communication was gone. I mean, it wow. was you, 
and and part of it was just he was gone so much and you know I was working early hours at the gym but you know there was a lot of passing each other in the hallways of our tiny apartment without saying a word to each other wow um and you know his parents invited us out to Missouri for Thanksgiving and it was like we have to put on this like facade of being happy and and really you know with it and um I knew I had to work and I was like oh, I can't get off so you know I'm really just gonna oh wow I was like okay well I'll come out for the weekend he drove out there and um I flew out over the weekend and I say that the 18 hour drive back was the first moment where our marriage was saved wow because we were in a car for 18 hours and you had nothing else to do but to talk it out no option but to talk wow what was that conversation like if i can ask um not details but just the weight you know i think it was um i think it was really just like you know like a vomit of emotions for both of us of like well you know you don't understand what i'm going through well you don't understand what i'm going through and you know just really for the first part of that you know few months actually sharing what was in our heads instead of just ignoring it um and in our hearts really um uh led us to to a point where we could move forward and um it's it's interesting you know i i think and and i'm just learning this now right Mm -hmm. you know is that there's a there's there's such a um not only therapeutic effect of 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 um openness right Mm -hmm. of of vulnerability Mm -hmm. but there's also an empowering component of that too to say hey i'm really hurting and this is why and and to be okay enough to to open up the spectrum of your own sensitivities your own guilt your own shames and all your own ego challenges but it's funny man that those only happen in those in those times but thank god you were able to go through that oh yeah how did it change when you got back um i think we were just more aware when we checked in with each other a lot more i think checking in is like a huge thing describe that describe that um it it really sitting down i mean who who really gets a chance to sit down anymore right so we learned to sit down and just look at each other in each other's eyes and ask each other questions wow you know and then along the way, you find out your your love language, right? And yeah. his, his is touch. So if I put my hand on his on his you know knee, mine's quality time. So even though we didn't know those two things at the time, that 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 fostered you know those those good feelings that you're getting from that. That's cool. Um, That's but, really cool. You know, you you check in with each other. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you you know beyond how was your day mm-hmm. kind of thing? Um, we both learned th- that's maybe where we started to grow up. Right. Well, yeah. And, and that's what happens when you discover this new way to communicate. Yeah. And in particular, I think with the, you know, cause obviously you guys are anchored within each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and when that anchor is strong and secure, you know, you can start really growing. Right. Is that where you started to see your abilities start to really improve mm-hmm. and what ultimately got you and as an anchor. And yeah. Can yeah. you describe that pathway for us? Well, I think, you know, when we, when we both knew we again checked in and remembered that we needed each other's support, we could both grow and flourish. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, a year after being in Virginia, I got a call about becoming, uh, there was an opportunity to become an AP an associate producer um, which technically was a step down for me from what I was doing in Hawaii. Right. And, um, I, you know, it's that thing you just go, okay, 
anything. I wanna, yeah. if, if I want to do this, I got to put in the work. I got to suck it up and do it, you yeah. know? So I, I stepped into that role and then that led to the traffic reporting position. Um, and then within a year of the traffic reporting position, I had an opportunity to audition um for the morning anchor role and that's when i that's when everything took off describe so. that describe that audition i'll never because, forget it <laughs> yeah i want to i want to hear that yeah. because people you know one of the greatest fears that people have is 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 public speaking right but you want to intensify that times a million put yeah. a camera in front of your face and there's going to be hundreds of thousands of See? people watching it's it's a whole nother level of fear but it's opposite for me is it really isn't that wild whoa um I know that there's like 10 people that have to do anything with a production, right? Yeah, right. Um, whereas if I stand up in a bunch of a front of, in a bunch of, uh, in front of a bunch of people, it's like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went back, my, my high school asked me to come back and speak at graduation. And that was like, Oh, That's what? Cool. And, um, I was horrible. I was so bad. Really? Because it was What'd so nervous. What'd you nerve. do? What'd I you just, do? Like I had zero breath. I couldn't okay. breathe, you okay. know, and, and our school, um, so the, the school that we graduated from, um, was a huge school. And so this was in constitution hall. So there I am standing in front of all these people and their parents at constitution hall. And I'm like, what am I doing Did you here? feel like you were back in high school? I felt like, no, I, I you know, <laughs> I, it's yes. Cause some of the teachers were still there, which was kind of like, Haha, you know, you thought I talked too much. Well, now look, um, <laughs> Um, but, but really I kind of, you know, the, it's one of those moments where you're like, you really are doubting yourself. You kind of feel like a fraud. You're like, why did they ask me to be here? Mm -hmm. I'm not that great. Like, you know, it's, but, um, there are people who still do remember it and, and, you know, say things about it. And, um, you know, the great part was, is that, you know, Mike was with me and that was his high school too. Yeah. And I got to talk about, you know the stuff that he's done and um and it was a really proud moment i think for both of us i how could it not be right you know and you you it's so funny i think another component of of people that have a a a character based in service right Mm -hmm. is there's a a, a, there's a ever-present sense of humility Mm. Right. And, and it's not that, you know, they're not we're not confident or anything like that, but it's a sense of, hey, I'm doing this because it has to be done. And yeah. I'm I'm a part of this because it has to be done. And and, you know, when you become recognized for it at that at, at another level, in particular, I feel with kids for kids, for me, that's, you know, I'll stand in front of 50 CEOs yeah. all day long, twice right. on Tuesdays. But I'm in front of a thousand sixth graders and I'm nervous as hell, yeah. right? Because they're judgy. <laughs> oh my God. And, and, and also knowing I, I'll never forget at Addison Meisner here, right up the road where, where I went to grade school, we had the guy yeah. that the, the, the show Columbo was based on. And it was like, Holy cow, that made an impact on yeah. me. Yeah. And you, you begin to recognize, wow, how I, how I can, what I do and what I say mm-hmm. can really move people to action. Mm-hmm. So as you now are an anchor on a morning show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, how many years in is Mike? Oh gosh. Well, at that point, probably eight, nine in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. About that, yeah. All right. So, yeah. you know, that's what three years into the, into the war on terror. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. starting to ramp up. It's starting to get heated. What was the those moments? Because I, I, you know, I remember when mm. it, when it first kicked off, it was like, 
you know, all right, this is going to be easy. It's going to be over soon. No big deal. Yeah. And then once Fallujah went down, everything kind of changed. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I think where everything really changed was Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Me too. And, and, right? You, I mean, that was that. Describe that pivotal moment for you guys. Well, I was on the morning show, um, so really, I would say. And I just, I, I, I just want to frame. I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you. I just want to frame this for our listeners. So you got to understand, B is in Virginia Beach. Yeah. You know, second biggest Navy town in the country. You know, her husband's at the highest level. She, mm-hmm. All her friends, all her community, her family is this community. So, yeah. So it, um, that was, that was a big game changer for me because I was on the morning show. And I would say this is the first time that like anything like this was being reported in real time, right? Mm. Um, before that, I, I feel like, you know, Incidents like that, you would find out about hours later. Right. This was happening in the middle of the show that I was anchoring. Whoa. And it was breaking news. That's right. It came out first thing in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So oh my. It, it, and and I mean, right down to the like, we know this many are gone, and and we know one person's still there. Wow. Like it, we were in the middle of it, reporting it live, breaking news, and as all these updates kept coming in, it was like. Oh, gosh. You know, the first thing that you do and think of in that situation is not like, oh, this is the information I have to get out. But when you are tied to that community, it's like, who was it? Yeah. That's the first thing. And your stomach drops. Yep. Um, and so I remember going through that. And then it was just, you know, that was a very different experience. Yeah. One that I never expected to have um, when 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 that happened. So. And then I had the opportunity to, you know, interview Marcus right. when his book came out. Yeah. And that was great. So it was for me, it was the big shift for the first time that our community mm-hmm. where we weren't invincible. Mm. Yeah. We, you know, but prior to that, you know, we had we had lost a few guys, but they were the random thing like, you right. know, Matt getting blown up at Tarnak Farms. That was just like, all right, he stepped on it. or Neil, you know, in his his event. I mean all tragic all horrific but this one was like man this seems like a no-brainer you know Mm. you're flying in a big bus with two rotors and you're just flying into a a, an ambush and all this and it's just like whoa well we're not invincible and and i remember you know the the aftermath of that just seemed they just kept coming Mm. yeah and that's when it started right what was the what was the the you know it must have been a weird juxtaposition to, you know, be on and every single casualty, every single incident you're having to report and right. then you're coming home and now you're addressing it face to face. What right. was that like for you? Well, it's it's I would say they were, you know, unlike, you know, Mike, who was very good at doing a job and then coming home and then, you know, not doing that job anymore. For me, I was never able to separate it. Yeah. Never. Neither was I. I was never able to separate the fact that I was on a news desk talking about people who were in my community and people who were my friends. Yeah. It was, and that was where I started to shift away from, from wanting to be in that position. I bet. Um, I was able to turn it into things like, you know, the do my military job series that was able to share, you know you know, what people are doing on a daily basis in their military jobs. And that was great, but that still was not enough 
to keep me from constantly thinking about my friends in my own community. Was the straw that broke the camel's back, was that extortion for you? It was. And, and you know, I, I'm, I just, I, I've never been able to say I, I'm sorry for all that you lost, mm -hmm. everybody you lost and the pain that you guys went through. And, and I, you know, I feel almost, I feel weird to ask you about mm -hmm. it, but I, I also think, you know, I, I, I was able, you know, I was able to interview Dom Rosso, who, right. you know, you know, that's the major point in his life where his whole life shifted and, and everybody else I know that was a part of, of, of that team and that group. They talk about it with such reverence as it, as we should. It was the worst day in our unit's modern history. Right. What was it like for you? Um, that was, that was hard and I'll probably cry, but, um, I remember, you know, back back in the pager days, right? Yeah. So I remember, um, you know, I had come home in between shows for dinner and Mike's pager had gone off and he was like, and I should say Obi because not a lot of people yeah, probably have any yeah, idea, but yeah. his pager went off and um, I remember him being like, oh, that's really weird. Like the, whatever the message was, was a different message than usual. Um, and then I had gone back and he remembers it differently, but I swear this is how it happened. But I had gone back to work. I did the 11 o'clock newscast, came home, and I, he was awake. And that's when we had known how, the extent of this incident. Wow. Um, and it was hard because, you know, with that many, like, again, who was it? And then you start going through your head with who's gone. Yeah. Um, and um, you start, the names start coming. And um, one of the hardest things I think for us is that, you know, Mike was a part of that group before he shifted into his, yeah. his new role. And um, I mean, those were his best those were friends. His friends. I mean, those were his, his really good, tight friends and brothers. Yeah. And um, so that was, that was a really hard, you know, and it wasn't even just that that day right like mm -hmm. you think about the numbers and it was a month of memorials mm -hmm. and um and you know just dealing with those emotions and um it, it was another very difficult time in our marriage you know I that's bet. the second time where we had a hard hard time i think just both of us dealing with the emotions and you know me wondering how some people are going to move on that were my friends. Yeah. Um, and then explaining to my kids, you know, that some of their friends had lost their fathers. Um, and then for him just dealing with just the mass, massive weight of that emotion of yeah. losing those men. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was another really hard time for us um, marriage wise. Um, How'd you guys work through it? <laughs> um, so, um, he was sleeping, um, in the middle of the day, um, because it was the like day off of a memorial. Mm -hmm. Um, and we actually had a random earthquake in Virginia. What? So, so I always say like, I always say that, um, you know, that at that point it took an act of God to like literally make us talk again. Yeah. So, um, it was, did you feel that? Did you feel that? And then, you know, it opened up conversation and then, you know, we worked through it. And I, wow. again, I have to process how he's feeling. It's not just me feeling something, 
you know, and obviously the weight of what he was dealing with was, you know, a lot more than what I was dealing with. And I had to understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it opened that conversation again. Um, but the beautiful thing that came of, of that, if there was anything was again, watching our community just embrace everybody that, that was left to deal with the unthinkable. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. well, thank you for sharing that. I mm-hmm. really appreciate it. What, what's, what's so amazing about people that I found is, and this is all over the world. This is not just confined to Navy, the Navy SEAL community mm-hmm. or, or to Americans whatsoever is that when catastrophe strikes, yeah, we see the best in the human condition mm-hmm. and it's really powerful and we see it in places and in people we never dreamed we would see it, right? right? And so, you you know, we experience this unbelievable catastrophic event in our community. Then all of a sudden, you know, out of the ashes, people bond together and they lift each other up in these really unbelievable moments. What were some of the profound things that you took away from that, not only about yourself, but about the human condition itself? gosh, you know, uh, the first thing for me is like seeing sheer strength of some of of the families that were left behind. That's the thing that sticks out the most. And, um, you know, one of our, our, our friends, um, she actually had her husband's birthday party that was supposed to happen anyway. Wow. And, um, I'll never forget it. Like she was, she was trying so hard to, you know, just be there for everybody, but everybody had to be there for her, you know? And it was just, again, we talk about vulnerability and just allowing yourself to feel the emotions and let the people embrace you that are, that are there for that. Um, the strength and the vulnerability that I saw that day will stick with me forever. forever. And she continues to be this like, like beacon. I bet. Oh my gosh the a beacon of faith yeah. her faith is incredible wow um she she i mean she was pregnant at the time <gasps> so she you know is the love for her children is incredible and how she keeps the memory of their father in her in their lives is just um it's inspirational yeah. i mean nobody should after ever have to deal with that no but to deal it with it with the grace that she has is amazing yeah it's i'm 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 so blessed in 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 my life you know jonna lost her husband Mm -hmm. back in the day and to watch her um with her children Mm -hmm. and and to become that that foundation of all things Mm -hmm. right and so you look at these 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 women who've who've lost their husbands and 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 to be able to continue and drive on and find new purpose and new meaning out of the catastrophe is is one of the most inspiring things that i've ever seen in my entire life you know is you know not only do all of you you know have this profound sense of sacrifice that exists just within being married to someone who's gone all the time and Mm -hmm. and it's not like you know they're out building a a pipeline in china right they're out going right you know going after bad people and doing bad things and and you never know and so and then for you know, that the ultimate tragedy to happen, to continue on and really, really thrive is, is, is impressive. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of the most admirable things that I've ever seen in my life. It is. Yeah, it is. 
So from these great lessons, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the hardest, the best lessons we learn in our life are the hard lessons, right? From these lessons, as, as now... Mike's through this incredible career. You you've built this amazing career. Mm-hmm. What was it like now that Sunwear is like? All right, I'm gonna retire and I want to leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he was ready. I mean, he was he was definitely ready. Um, I think um, when you know, you know, it's yeah. time to step away. Um, but he had had some really cool opportunities in the 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 you know last few years of his career. Um, I had made the decision shortly after you know, extortion that I was done because I couldn't do that anymore. Wow. I, I just couldn't. I mean, I, I took a week off when that happened because I knew I, I had zero ability to sit on a news desk and talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, when, when, when things became very public in the media, um, it was time for me to be done. Okay. I didn't want to walk that line anymore. Right. So I had already made that decision and I started my transition out of TV um, and into corporate communications, um, I think two years before he retired. Okay, okay. So we didn't do it all at once. Right, thank oh, goodness. Lord. I would have been like, that's <laughs> yeah. number three no. right there. No, three did come up. <laughs> number three did come up in a bowling alley save that part. But, um, but you uh, we know. We get to hear that well, story, yeah, I hope. Yeah, okay, you great, will. great. Um, but, you know, um, it, it, we, had, we had phased our transitions. So when he was ready, he was ready. He had had these great opportunities in the past, you know, the last few years of his his career where he built relationships with um, some really great people, yeah. good friends, different capabilities. And, you know, so he went right into this new business of theirs um, altogether right out of his his retirement. So wow, he didn't have cool. a lot of time to, to idle, you know. Well, that's what I was remarkable because I remember being at the retirement you know, ceremony down in Fort Lauderdale when you guys, and I was so excited you guys were moving to Florida, you know, and, and I was like, I, I had all these visions of us hanging out all I the know. time and, and, and going to the parrot and doing Penn State games yeah. and, you know, <laughs> going to kids games and hanging out. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> if, if he stops working like he does. Right. Um, but you know, he was like, no, man, I'm going back to, I'm going to work on Monday or yeah. so, you know, and he was like, I'm doing this thing. And I was like, don't you want to do we want to take like a couple months off and yeah he's like no yeah was that hard no i mean uh yes for me yes. yeah. yeah yeah which leads to number three yeah um yeah you know it was it was hard i mean they work harder now than they did when they were in the navy well I mean, that's being an entrepreneur you're an entrepreneur yeah. you're a business owner and um you know they went right to traveling you know so um and you know, I think I had this like fairy tale idea of what retiring out of the Navy would look like. And it would be like, oh, my husband will walk in the door every day at five o'clock and I'll have a beautiful dinner waiting for him. And, you know, we will have so much time together. And um, we didn't. That's not how it happened. Yeah. And um, and for me, I had to process that and I did not process it very well. Right. right. And then on top of it, you know, he he did have, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of friends who needed you know his help and he's that guy we've talked about that yeah. like you know i'm gonna jump in when 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 a guy needs me i'm there yeah um and um so he was doing a lot of that in his free time which was great i mean he's a, he wants to help um but we were still not seeing a lot of him at home yeah. and um again got got a little tough got a little ugly yeah um well it's it's you know what people i think what what you know, everybody has this, you know, kind of illusion 
of of what you know special operations is and it's this glorification mm -hmm. of, of of dedication and all this you know whatever is in the books and the movies and all that right. stuff but what they don't understand is the, the traumatic institutionalization of that of that behavioral commitment right. right where it's like unless i'm doing something for someone else I, i'm i'm not adhering right to who i am my identity absolutely to the detriment most often of most your family right right and, and you and it's the families that take the biggest brunt of all that and that's because you know we were always there to support in those 20 years we just knew that was our role that was our job and yeah you know i do say they do a, a pretty good job of transitioning you know the the person who was in the military out but sometimes the family gets lost in that transition role yeah and nobody Tells you, you never hear about that. Don't right? expect it to be a certain way, yeah. you know, because a they don't know they don't know how they're going to process their transition, so yeah. you can't expect anything out of it for sure. Yeah. Um, and just again, it's again you're learning how to deal with a new life and a new lifestyle, and sometimes you can now speak up <laughs> right. and say yeah. it, it's not the military sending you somewhere, yeah. right? You can now yeah. speak up and say, hey, I I need you here for this. So and tell us about the bowling that. alley experience then. Um. So again, like you know we got into a, a big argument and I was like yeah, I, I, my love language quality time I was not getting it and not even in retirement so um we got into a big blowout and you know it was like I can't do this anymore and um I was not a big like person on threatening like change your lifestyle or, I'm or gone. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was not cool. my that was not my my big thing but I got to a point where I was doing that yeah you know where I was like that's it I'm done yeah. I'm done and he was like um hey I, I don't know where my kids were. I think they were spending the t day with my mom or something. He's like, do you want to go to a bowling alley? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, I, you know, we went, we went bowling. Lo and behold, there's this great little bar on the side of the bowling alley. And we shifted from bowling to having a few beers and just, again, letting it all out. Yeah, talking. And spilling. And to this day, that place is our place. Like, yeah. We go and we have a couple beers and we just need to sit down and talk to each other and be That's with so each other. That's so cool. So um, it's, it's the bowling alley is the third thing that saved our marriage. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that. So we've got, got the, we've the got drive. 16 or 18 hour drive, yeah, an act of God and a bowling alley. <laughs> th that That's going to be the title of your memoir, right? Yeah, yeah that'll be <laughs> you, it. You guys will write this beautiful <laughs> book about relationships and, and love yeah. and marriage and all that. It's so and that awesome. And we actually have tossed that around. So yeah. we'll see if that actually happens. Oh, I'll I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, tell you what, it's, it'd be brilliant because one of the things that, you know, with so much focus on our on us and so much focus on trying to figure out how to get us help i think uh, so much is lost on the families yes. the, not only the children you know and what they've gone through but uh you know also you know most especially the spouses and, mm -hmm. and their dedication to all that and because it's an identity shift for all of you as yeah. well too and so I would, I would that would be amazing i think it would be wonderful i'd and, love to see somebody just really you know in some of these these organizations that exist really start to build that out i know i don't have the capability to do that that is not my specialty yeah but it it really does need to happen the, the one person that i've seen that runs a really good program is taya kyle she, mm -hmm. her, she her retreats her couples retreats yeah. they've they've helped a lot of people and 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 really is focused on that a lot. So, yeah. you know, kudos on you, Tay. I'm, you know, yeah. always, I always love promoting that program for her. But all right. So 
he's he's home he's got this new business uh-huh. he's still traveling a bunch but at least he's around he's you've had yes. the talk at the bowling alley talk everything's good let's let's fast forward to what blue tide marine is uh-huh. how it came about and yeah. and and then we'll get to where where you guys are at right now yeah so again it came about just um in some of the relationships that were built in his final years at the command and uh you know special capabilities and um, different groups and talents that they all had mm-hmm. um and they knew they worked well together so they said well let's do it let's let's build a business and when it came down to trying to determine what it was that they wanted to do they knew they wanted to work in maritime and uh they in south florida they knew they wanted to live in south florida <laughs> so um you know they created the life they wanted <laughs> so yeah. so that's what they did and you know they they get to spend a lot of time doing some diving they get to spend a lot of time on boats and um, jumping out of airplanes jump, you know, jumping out of airplanes <laughs> and building airdrop capabilities and um and going to a couple good parties so yeah, <laughs> they, they right? really have built the life that they 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 want and um and i think once that all started to really pick up steam and have a you know um get on a good roll the transition became a lot easier yeah i'm sure i'm sure because i think you know all relationships require consistency right Mm -hmm. and if there is even if it is the 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 madness of entrepreneurialism and the grind Mm -hmm. and every day you got to fight for that next dollar that's coming in and then you throw kids in the mix that are active and in athletics yeah. and you have two right. beautiful children and they're both great athletes and scholars mm-hmm. and, you know, they're involved at the church. And I always love to see that. That's my favorite part. And, you know, but, you know, it really becomes this family, the next generation yes. of that family, mm-hmm. right, of that. Yeah. You know, from what was existed in the military to now Blue Tide Marine is that family. It is. And I call it the family business because these <laughs> friends are, who were all family now have the family business and we're all involved in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I stepped away from the corporate side and I now, you know, handle the communication side of things. And by um, the way, them. much better. <laughs> Much, much better. Thank, thank you so much for stepping in. It, 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 in fact, it is always a pleasure to watch it now. You yeah, know, before I was like, what the heck? You well, know? you couldn't tell, you know, before it was like, what do these guys do? Yeah. Because, you know, and, yep. and they just kind of have to be that way. And, um, you know, once we were able to tell some really good stories, it was, you know, it was it took took better spin. So. Well, well, let's let's get into that spin, because obviously, you know, just a few weeks ago we had the most devastating hurricane in, mm-hmm. in recorded history. And as a Floridian growing up, I remember Andrew in the 80s in Miami and incredible devastation in Homestead, you know, just in the last 18 years, you know, since I, I or 17 years since I've been out there, I've been, there's been, I think, nine hurricanes that have come in the area. But mm-hmm. but this one was different. And, and I remember with Jonna and the girls, we had prepared all the houses, her house, my mm-hmm. house, and my parents. And and I remember saying her oldest um, was like, are we staying for this thing? What, when, when will we leave? When will we evacuate? And I go, the only way we'll go anywhere because we've got to generate, we're good, is if it turns to a Category 5. Mm-hmm. And within that 24-hour swing, next thing you know, it hit Abacos, and it was the most devastating Category 5 hurricane in history. And that's when I said, we have to leave because if it keeps coming towards us even if it shifted 25 miles we were going to get you know we were going to get crushed and i remember we wait i waited probably 
eight hours longer than I wanted to just to make sure. And I remember the first reports coming back from the Abacos and, yeah. and, and, and the utter devastation that was ensuing. Can you walk us through where your whole process with, with this Hurricane Dorian, mm -hmm. what happened with everybody at Blue Tide, and then what resulted from it? Yeah, so, um, you know, we did the same thing. We sat there and we watched it and you do this. The, I think that's just what we do as Floridians now. You know, you sit and you watch to the very last moment and yeah. then you're like, okay, it's time to go. I, I have always been somebody at this point, and we dealt with hurricanes in Virginia Beach, so I've always been somebody who was like, okay, I think we can ride this out. Yeah, yeah. Um, after seeing what happened in the Bahamas, n n I will not wait for a five. I'll leave for a four. But I think the really devastating thing about it is how it just sat there, you know, on, on the northern yeah. Bahamas. And um, it just it just sat there and it didn't leave. And it was it was really hard to watch. But I think at that point we had they had forecasted that turn. So we stayed. But because you guys have a lot of friends in the Bahamas, don't you? Um, no, I mean, no, we the business connections. Yeah, and there's stuff? you know, yeah. they have. Yeah. So yeah, right. not in the northern Bahamas, okay. but more um, more in um, Andros and not Ab Abacos. Um, so, um, you know, we kind of knew that they were going to be okay and, you know, what, 700 islands in the Bahamas. Right, right. So we knew they were going to be good and um, we knew that we were kind of safe and we knew we were going to then shift into something that Blue Tide has been preparing for for about three years. So, I mean, the desire to go in for disaster relief, that right. type of men, that yeah. type of nonprofit. Huh? Yeah. So you so, you know, I mean, as you go into speak to at some of these huge organizations, how important it is. Like, I'm a true believer that every company, no matter how small or how large, has a responsibility to corporate citizenship. Wow. To understand that you can do well by doing good. Once you put that that mentality into your business, into your culture, into right? your culture, yeah. you know, watch what happens. And so, this is something they wanted to do for I'd say two and a half years. Um, uh, Mike had the opportunity to meet Rob Saravolo of Tropic Ocean Airways, mm -hmm. and um, Rob is a former fighter pilot in the Navy. So two veterans go to lunch and. Um, you know, I kind of picture, I wasn't there, but I picture it. Mike's like, Oh, we have this disaster relief airdrop capability that I want to do. And Rob's like, Oh, I want to fly stuff in, but I don't have this capability and I don't have this capability. And it was like stepbrothers there where they're like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> you know, that's how I kind of see it with the company. That's and totally what happened. Yeah. And, and so they got along right away. Um, the, the partnership started building. They knew that this was something they were going to want to do along with Nereus Medical. Yeah. Um, who, again, some veterans who have the medical capabilities and what they wanted to do was become a first response disaster relief organization right um so this was the opportunity to do that wow um, and you know and you hate saying the word opportunity but it was a and it was an opportunity to help yeah I mean, so um and it's really it's it, you know when when you start to get into that world and explore it and and, and I did a little bit because there was a time where when I stopped contracting with the agency I, I i was like all right well i, I still want to continue my medical skills continue to contribute right and whether it was doing missionary work with a church or whatever and you start to find there there are really some beautiful organizations yeah. out there rubicon right. team five or uh there's i mean just some some amazing veteran-based companies that mm -hmm. are out there doing this type of thing and it's it's very cool that you you guys were focused on that from yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, they knew they knew uh, right from the beginning that that was going to be a part of something that they 
they wanted to do. And um, with this partnership with Tropic Ocean Airways, um, they were really able to plan it out and build it out. And then they worked with the government of the Bahamas so that they could be some of the first people there. Wow. Um, and that was the difference maker for, for Blue Tide was to get in there and, you know, be there at Treasure Key, be there at Marsh Harbor and be able to start helping immediately was, you know, immediately after re receiving the approvals. But, um, and, and can you describe the buildup? Was it, oh, did, yeah. did, was it kind of like a de pre-deployment leave or a pre-deployment yes. workup and yeah. all that stuff? So that's where the success from this operation came from is from their background. Yeah. They, they approached it as though it was something that they were planning, you know, in a mission sense. Right. So, um, you know, we all had roles. We all knew what we were doing. We knew we had infield operators. We knew we had two people sitting in the jock at all times. You know, we knew, you know, that we were just going to approach it that way. And some of these guys had never worked together. So you had the core of BTM and right. then, you know, Mike knew a few guys and Bob knew a few guys, Dwayne knew a few guys, and these guys all came together and immediately it was like a seamless team yeah. that went went to the bahamas and it's started remarkable affecting how change. that happens isn't it and how it, yeah. operators just they we speak the same languages yeah. and once it sinks up it's just impressive yeah and you know i think you know it all starts with you know what makes a veteran in the first place all these people being veterans had that need to serve after service yeah and so um it really just you know it was immediate the the way that everybody started operating together. Can you describe what you were hearing from those those first zodiacs getting mm -hmm. in from those first drops or even the first yeah. overflights? Because I'm sure they did that. What was the, what were you guys hearing and seeing? And yeah, so there was a lot going on at once, right? So as um, they were first getting boots on the ground uh, with um, How soon? the BTM guys. Oh gosh, let's see. I would say it started on. Thursday, that Thursday, two weeks ago, whatever the date was. So um, we started prepping buckets on Monday, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, we were in the jock at Tropic Ocean Airways, and then um, by Thursday, we got the approvals, and it was go. Go, wow. go, go. Like, we were there sitting there waiting for the approvals, like, ready to go, and we got them, and it was like, move, 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 and they got guys on the ground. At the same time, Tropic was running relief flights to different places, also doing recon flights, flying over the island, seeing which airstrips were available. Um, and it really, it was just this huge effort in different aspects of the aviation on the ground. The mobility that they had wow. allowed them to make a difference really quickly. Holy cow. Yeah. And did you did you guys become like the tip of the spear for all of those kind of outer line relief efforts? And, it, you know, that was that was the goal was to be that. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting. The guys were saying that, um, you know, when they would be on the ground, they, they started linking up with like a search and rescue team like they were there and they, you know, they they approached it professionally and the way that they would anything they did when they were in the military. So, right. you know, they were all wearing the same thing. They all had their BTM hats. They you know, they all were uh, we had um, ATV and two motorcycles mm -hmm. to move around. So people were coming and landing in some of these awesome organizations that were ready to help and coming up to them and being like, where do we go? Yeah. <laughs> so it, they really did kind of take on this leadership role there in Treasure Key and Marsh Harbor, Wow. which is something obviously they're all very comfortable with. <laughs> so, I'd say, so, I'd say, I want to know how yeah. many, I want to know how many admirals or presidents <laughs> Mike's briefed in his, in his yeah. life. Right? So it was pretty great. And they met some awesome organizations like Impact now from seattle and like 
um, they all, again, started working together, you know, for, for the greater good. I, I love it. Let me let me just take a real quick break. I want to just mention my sponsors because without them, this this makes it a lot easier. I uh, I just want to talk first of, about uh, my relationship with Onnit and this product called Alpha Brain, which uh, imp Zulu, are you coming hey, in Zulu. to say hi? Hi Zulu. Oh hi Zulu. Hi. You saw me pick up the call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bubba, go lie down. Oh here he comes. You want some alpha brain, buddy? You need it. No, he's like, I need a spleen, not alpha brain. Get out of here. Go. Um, so, you know, I, I, one of the things I just love about uh, on it is uh, Aubrey Marcus's commitment to total human optimization. And God knows after enough concussions and, and, and blast injuries and just uh, beating I've put on my brain uh, to find a product that really enhances my ability to have that memory to improve my focus throughout the day is just been such a, a godsend for me. Um, it, it, you know, one of the, there's so many products out there nowadays that talk about, you know, the improvements, but they're, they're laden with chemicals. They're laden with stuff that isn't necessarily the best that you can ingest or put into your body. Uh, I also have gut issues from my past as well too. Um, that's why I use their, their, their gut health product as well. But, you know, when I first started taking Alpha Brain a couple of years ago, it, it just that one wake up in the morning, my glass of water, my Alpha Brain capsule. And I just found that that, you know, my mental alacrity was so much better with so much more focus throughout the day. It was the little difference that I needed. And, and as I get older and older uh, and, and my beautiful fiance continues to say is, uh, thank God you take Alpha Brain because otherwise you wouldn't remember shit. Anyways, so go to, go to onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T.com. Check out Alpha Brain. Tell them Frog Logic sent you, and, and you'll enjoy it. Uh, my, my second sponsor I want to talk about is, is, is my second sponsor is, is Wise Company. Now, if you're a prepper in any way, shape, or form like I am, and, and obviously I want to talk to you, BTM, yeah, about, about, yeah, oh my God, it's the best there is, I'm telling you. And it was so funny. Jana is the first thing she said when when I scheduled you for the show. She's like, "Did you tell them about Wise Company and, yeah. and helping with the relief and all that?" And I'm like, "Oh, I should do that. I need to know more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." So Wise Company out of Utah, American company, man, one of the best companies out there in terms of prepper food, freeze dried prepared food, 25 year shelf lives. They have these incredible camping meals straight out of the pack, all delicious flavors, way better than any. Any MRE you've ever eaten, I'm, I'm telling you. And yeah. I know you've eaten a couple of I those. Have, yeah. <laughs> Forcefully. <laughs> yes, I'm you want to know what I'm eating over <laughs> exactly. there all the time, right? Well, I'll tell you what. Wise, Wise Company makes great products. They have great food. And the biggest thing that I, I've received since I started using, and I've always had uh, long-term uh, food products in my house as a result of my time in the teams at the agency and being prepared for the the worst possible catastrophes, i.e. Category 5 hurricane. And, and I'll tell you what, my, you know, I had, you know, my rifles in the back seat. Yeah, I had sure. my, and, I, and yeah. I had my two wise food buckets to take care of the family for at least That's three awesome. weeks. Yeah. And it's, it's a no brainer. And in the, the peace of mind that you receive with wise is, is an incredible, incredible opportunity that ev no one should pass up on because we don't know when the next hurricane's coming. We don't know the next earthquake. We don't know the next uh, wildfire. We don't, we just don't know when the next act of God is going to shift our perspective. So it's critical that you and your family are prepared and taken care of. So head over to wisefoodstorage.com. That's wisefoodstorage.com. 
frogfitness.com in uh, your promo code, put in froglogic and you will get 25% off any product you buy. That's 25% off any and all product you buy. There's a 90-day no, uh, full money-back guarantee uh, and free shipping on anything you do. So head over to wisefoodstorage.com, uh, promo code FROGLOGIC, and get your 25% off. And most of all, you know, have that peace of mind. So be ready and be wise. Sorry. Thanks, B. No, those yeah. need to go in their packs next time. That's I, for sure. I, I tell you what, yeah. I, what I can do is I can get you on the phone with yeah. the CEO of the company who's I'm friends with. And I'm sure he will be all over that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it would be something that, he, I mean, he, that's the kind of guy he is. He would love it. So yeah. um, sorry for the interruption. No. Would, do you have a, a particular story that, that's been told by someone that was on the ground, whether it's Mike or someone that just mm-hmm. really uh, can summarize the magnitude of devastation that the Bahamas has, has gone through? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, we you know, we were so, you know, fortunate to kind of help some of these stories along because of that, you know, partnership with the government and getting us in there and then global empowerment mission and, and helping us get there. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, to be a part of the stories is really incredible. And the one that sticks out the most is, um, the story about, um, a man named Elaine and uh, Baker's Bay. There is a, a beautiful area, you know, for, um, for some folks who actually live there, they have these beautiful homes there. And um, Elaine did not get necessarily, uh, he, he decided to dedicate himself to, to helping out there where he works. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the storm, he was there while his teenage son was in Marsh Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, so here this guy is afterwards, he's running, you know, gas cans to people and making sure, you know, that the people there have what they need. And he sees BTM and their, their boats and he's telling the story about how he stayed there for the hurricane, but his son was in Marsh Harbor and he, he passed away and he has to go pick up his body Oh, because he hadn't heard from him. He hadn't heard from anybody. He asked BTM if they could get him to Marsh Harbor on the boat to, to go, you know, recover his son's body. So obviously our guys are like, we're there for you. Um, you know, let's, let's plan, you know, let's get on the boat. And, 30 minutes before he gets on the boat, he gets a call that his son was alive. Oh my gosh. And so what went from this, you know, recovery effort and getting him to Marsh Harbor turned into like a reunion effort. And, um, that is something that will stick with the guys like forever, forever. I mean, the, the, this experience for so many of them was incredible because they were going in to save lives. Yeah. I mean, that was what their what, impact was going to be. And what a, what a, a difference of yeah. a few years, right? Right. And you spend so much of your life on the other side of that, yeah. right? And, and rightly needed and, and, and profoundly necessary in the yeah. world that we live in. But now to have this opportunity yeah. to to start saving lives what yeah what was it like when they would describe this feeling was it was it almost as if they were speaking a new language almost you know yes and no because again we talk about that need to serve yeah. and do something that's bigger than yourself and I, you know i think almost in a way when you would hear them tell the story because they would come in and immediately want to tell you stories um in a way it was it was therapeutical you know it, it had an impact on them in a sense that um, they knew they were, they were helping people. I mean, in a short amount of time that was like, 
there were almost 38 um, patients or 30 patients almost that they yeah, saw. Do you have some numbers? Yeah. For us so like 30 patients that they saw, they participated in four medevacs, making four medevacs happen. Wow. And they did six clinic surveys with Nereus Medical. So that wow. was in the first two to three days that they were there. Are you kidding yeah. me? So it was it was something for them that was um, again therapeutical and when they would come back and they'd start telling you about it they you know obviously they were ready to be home but they didn't want to leave yeah yeah you know that was every single one of them said i didn't want to leave it, it's so interesting when you start doing work like that it's so much different than what we used to do right because mm -hmm. you know there's a whole new platoon coming in there's yeah. a there the infrastructure's in place and you know unless you're doing these you know crazy fob stuff where you're starting a new right. base or whatever which always is difficult but but for the most part, you're you're just recycling. You're yeah. coming through. You're you're continuing the mission that's already been mm -hmm. laid out. But in this man, if if when you're ex exhausted, your mm -hmm. you know your your base supplies, you've exhausted your gas, you've exhausted, you've got to go back and refit and and, and 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 get ready and sleep. Yeah. And there's nobody there. Yeah. So this, I mean, this that was the beauty of what they did and implementing their experience. There were fobs. We had fob Bob and fob Obi. <laughs> Um, there were fobs. We were, I was in That's the jock. So we had sat phones. We, we had in reach and they were telling you exactly what they needed. And because we had wow. these incredible partnerships, again, Tropic and, um, also skydive Suffolk, skydive yes. Suffolk how'd brought in the get, sky van, the caravan. How'd that get involved? How'd they get involved? From our relationships up in Hampton roads. Okay. And so they were amazing. I mean, amazing. They were bringing in the the mobility. We got two new ATVs on the ground there while we right. were there. They were bringing in, you know, um, barrels of MoGas so that they could keep running. They were bringing in not only relief supplies, but, you know, all of the food and everything that the guys needed to keep keep going. Right. But also to help supply what became their man camp of 33. Wow. So they went in maybe a team of 10 and grew to 33 because people kept coming to them saying, where do we go? What yeah, should we do? Right. And, um, you know, it just, it's, it's kind of Suffolk, man, they were awesome. That and then they helped so with cool. the first airdrops as well. So, right, right. So, yeah. So we did, we approached it the way they approached everything else in their past. So we, the fobs, the jock, all of that allowed this to be a successful operation for five days with them in field. Wow. Yeah. One of the things I think, you know, you know, when you when you when you hear about disaster relief, I think a lot of times people have these impressions of it's always inland and it's always, you know, there it's a way. But if, if you look at the devastation in the last 20 years, the grand majority of that has come on coastal areas. Right. Yeah. And really, you know, there there aren't a lot of of organizations that can operate in the water. Mm -hmm. And it really sets you guys up for a, a unique possibility is there is there plans to continue to develop this i mean do you want yes. to grow it into a worldwide organization or what where are you guys yeah. at after this experience so that that's you know that's the joy of being partnered with global empowerment mission i mean they've done work in haiti they're doing work with the the uh forest fires and things like that so they have these capabilities in place and they've already got this organization and this network however you know, I think we'll also, in partnership with them and with Tropic Ocean Airways, develop another 501 for this group that really allows us to build more on this d disaster relief effort. Um, there is no doubt. I mean, 
and I don't mean to interrupt, but no, like, no, go. There is no doubt in in any of the minds that are part of Blue Tide Marine that this is really what they're here for. Really? Yeah. Explain that. I mean, because it sounds like I'm, I when I when you when I see you describe this and yeah. And for everybody on YouTube, you'll be able to see that. But for you listening, you you you, you got to see the the focus in B's eyes yeah. in that moment was very intense. Did you see this transition yeah. in them? This almost this uh, it's almost ethereal, right? Like you you get inspired, divinely yes. inspired. That hey, this is my calling. Yeah, I think you know. I think when you do anything well, you feel motivated to do more of it. But I just think that the magnitude of what they were able to do, and you know, let's not forget. I mean, that they they also did you know all the safety assessment and risk assessment for the first Delta plane that came in, the MD eighty that came in and took out a ton of people, and you know that ended up overall being uh, about nine hundred of evacuation, nine hundred wow. evacuations. So wow. so there you know they the the magnitude of the impact that a small group of individuals had well with these individuals with these know? partnerships <laughs> yeah yeah um and i say the small group but i mean gosh you, the team at tropic is amazing and huge and if you could have all seen us then they're all acting together like one big team it was great and gem awesome and you know it, it's it's amazing what the right group of people and companies can do and organizations in a short amount of time and that's what the most fascinating thing is for me. And I think so many times we, we hear about the really challenging aspect of, of, of being in the service. You have all these incredible skill sets. And then next thing you know, you're in civilian world and mm -hmm. and you not only your identity is taken from you. Right. Your abilities have been stripped away because they're not applicable in the, really in the civilian world and, right. and, and normal day to day life. And then all of a sudden you have the emotional detachment from the camaraderie of the brotherhood or whatever your particular group or organization fulfills. But now all of a sudden with, with this type of mentality, these type of skill sets, all of a sudden that's brought back into focus. They're all applicable mm -hmm. and it's all right there and ready and available to do by just mm -hmm. going out and, and doing this very noble deed of, of, of taking care of human beings in their worst time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it just, again, it was to see just the look in everybody's eyes from, you know, day to day, even though many of us were exhausted. I mean, even those of us that weren't in the field were in the jock until, you know, midnight and Tropic Ocean was there till midnight. And, you know, again, another another group of a lot of them are veterans themselves. too. Right. So um, it just uh, it it just was affirming that you know this is what we were all this is why we're all together this yeah. is why we're all supposed to be here we all met and you can't deny that right yeah amen you for can't sure deny it. how did it affect the kids <laughs> the kids well they got to spend a weekend with their grandmother at a hotel so they <laughs> you know they enjoyed that um they enjoyed that but as we move into the kind of the next phase that we're you know so we're, we've gone out of this like immediate response phase right um and we're going into a phase of of helping to assist with sustainable rebuilding um and you're seeing a lot of the out islands that are not getting that heavy lift like tre uh, treasure and marsh harbor are getting we're starting to focus on them and one of the stories that comes out of that is the stories of, of Moore's Island, mm -hmm. which is this tiny island that has seen their population almost double because the folks that are moving out of the 
extremely devastated areas of Martian treasure shifting over to some of these out islands. Mm -hmm. And the mobility is a challenge. So uh, getting there with relief aid and stuff like that. And then, you know, they're dealing with more people. The school there has 50 more kids enrolled. Wow. And um, they, you know, are dealing, you know, with trying to get this school back and up and running. And for my kids, they're seeing that and they want to be able to help that. Wow. So, um, you know, it, it helps them to understand that if they have an ability to help somebody that they should yeah um kids are always watching what we're doing so oh my god that's that's i think that's you know it's funny you know i think for your your kids my kids only my my oldest daughter felt a little bit of my deployments back when i Mm. was traveling overseas for the government and you know but your kids got a lot bigger dose of all that Mm -hmm. and and I, I think the interesting thing is so often our past lives are just our past lives and yeah. they don't have the profound influence of real time. Whereas this type of opportunity, that sense of servitude, right? That yeah. you're, you're actually, there's a component of the human condition within all of us that we're indentured to that need to help one another. Right. And, and if that can be a predominant influence in, in our children, then we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, you, if, if you're if they're picking up on what you're doing just because you're doing it and you're not having to try to do it, then yeah. that's even better. Right. Yeah. But their their school community and their faith that they have, you know, is is helpful and all of that as well. They're, they come from, you know, a school that wants to serve. So what were what was everybody seeing in terms of the what's the attitude of the Bahamians right now and the people on the ground? What are they what are they saying? What are they feeling? What are they how are what are this? You know, what what's that energy like? So, you know, obviously there are folks who have dealt with some, uh, I mean, just horrible things. I mean, uh, just some of the stories for some of the kids there that were running from house to house in the middle of the storm as one would crumble they'd go you know to another you hear those stories and it's heartbreaking but then you also have this incredible resiliency that they have um, so I talked about Moore's Island earlier and it's you know we've we've done multiple visits to Moore's Island now and um, just like a couple of things that they're doing they've taken some of the debris and the nails from their homes that have been damaged not all of the homes were damaged there but from the ones that were damaged they're rebuilding their fishing pier because that's how they make money right, is by fishing right. so they're taking that debris and those nails and rebuilding their pier and they did it in like a matter of days wow we took in relief aid on monday um, and they asked for nails and tarps because the roof of the school is very damaged we got off the plane, they unloaded all this stuff. We got into a car and we're behind maybe um, by 10 minutes. We got to the school and someone was on the roof with those nails that we brought in, nailing Already. the tarps. And it was a student, like one of the wow. older students because it's an all ages school. Right. Those stories of resiliency right now, uh, it, it's nice to see that shift, yeah. right? Because yeah. as we go into the rebuilding phase, you know, it's you, you want to be able to support, but you don't want to go, oh, let me do this for you because we're so great. That's not what we're yeah, here no, for. No. And that's not what they want. <laughs> no, at all. At it's, all. A, it's a, it's a yeah. much better sense of empowerment yep. than it is about a, a handout yeah. for sure. And yeah. they definitely don't want that. that. And that is, you know, the, the first few days were great to see what they could do quickly, what these groups of people could do quickly but now it's really great because we're building relationships with the people there immense relationships that'll last a lifetime for sure yeah so man i i just it's so amazing 
not only, you know, what you guys are doing over there, but it's really amazing to hear your story, B. I mean, you you have, you know, from <laughs> from that cheerleader in, in D.C. <laughs> to who you are now and what you guys are a part of and what you've been through is, is a remarkable, remarkable thing that you still have a smile on your yeah. face all the time. And I, and I always love reading in your posts. Oh. Man, it's fun. People all the time ask me, you know, who, who do you follow and who do you get inspired? I, you know, yeah. I'm always like, there's this woman in Fort Lauderdale, uh-huh. her name's B, and man, she always has, uh-huh. always fired up and you're always finding that silver lining in life. And, and that's a, that's a powerful thing for people. I consider myself lucky. I mean, you, you have to take time to be grateful for the things that you have instead of complaining about what you don't have and and i tell you what this last two weeks has definitely reaffirmed that for me yeah amen well well what's next for for blue tide and and where can people actually come on board to support you guys Mm -hmm. uh just give us the lowdown on on what people can do to to help and find and follow and all that yeah so you know we have a lot of folks that want to know how they can help in the bahamas and the best way to do that is to uh donate right now through global empowerment mission um, so globalempowermentmission.org, or you can go find them on Instagram, same, at Global Empowerment Mission, and that will help us do what we are doing in the Bahamas. As for BTM, you know, we're, we're going to grow this thing out. We're going to make it even better and um, continue to, to help the folks in the Bahamas. And, of course, they have their day-to-day jobs, right? The guys yeah. are doing their day-to-day jobs. Um, and they'll, they'll just kind of continue doing what they're doing because they do it well and they love it and it makes them happy. And that's all we could actually ask for. But you can find us, too, at, at um, Blue Tide Marine on Facebook and on Instagram. Awesome. Yep. Well, B, thank you so much for coming thank on. You. I'm so happy that you're here. And, and we'll give them one more. We are. Penn State. <laughs> we got to get together for the Ohio State <laughs> game. Done, done. We'll go down to the parrot. <laughs> right. Awesome. Thank you.